is Tracy. And this is Sheila. And we are his wife at Chicks. And this week's episode, we're going to be recapping the Niagara Food and Wine Expo. We just got back today from spending the weekend in Niagara Falls, and it was a great time. Yes, and this is, yes, our return episode. We tried to record a few weeks ago, and the file just had issues. So I'm going to reboot the return Mm-hmm. Start with this, and then we're going to go back and recover some old ground and re-record what we talked about before. So expect a few episodes coming out from us shortly. Excellent. Also should add, we are recording from home. It's yes. nice and quiet. One of the reasons we have been gone for so long is besides Sheila finishing up school is we just bought a house. So we had no life and no time to record and no time to eat fun things out. So we're back. Things mm-hmm. are quiet and wonderful and we have a quiet recording area now. Yeah, we do. It's great. It's pretty good. Yes. Um, the dogs are here with us, so you may hear them snuffling in the background, but they seem to have settled down. So so let's see. One of the first things I'd like to talk about is the... I'm just going to kind of go from the program here. The Barbados Pavilion oh. at the Food and Wine Expo. And for anybody who hasn't listened to us before and doesn't know what the uh, Niagara Food and Wine Expo is... It's um just a big show. You pay admission, and you get to wander around to different booths, and you buy sheets of tickets that you can trade tickets in for samples. Typically, the samples are usually one to two tickets. Sometimes if it's a bigger or more expensive item, it'll be three to five, but most of the samples are just, just generally a couple of tickets. Exactly. It's um The most expensive thing I think I saw was like six tickets, and it was a food item. Yeah. And um, they do one of these in Niagara in the spring. They do one in Toronto in the fall. Previously, we've been to the Toronto one, which was wonderful, but huge. Mm-hmm. Last year, we went to the Niagara one and loved it. So we went back this year to the Niagara one as well. Yeah, it's a little bit more chilled out. It's a little smaller, a little bit more intimate. Yeah. So there's definitely a difference between the Toronto and the Niagara one. Totally different vibe, which we'll cover some of the differences we saw this year later on. But we won't talk about the food and the, the alcohol because it was yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... The first thing that I want to talk about is the Barbados booth. And we just kind of stopped there, and they were putting together these little sliders, and uh, they were also putting together these little appetizer. Like a salsa bite, almost. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, we stopped and <laughs> said, my good sir, what are you making? And yes, we would like to. Uh, the salsa bite, it was a fried piece of breadfruit that they had some fresh mango salsa on. I think it was mango salsa. Yeah, it was like mango and onion. Yeah. And- and, and it was amazing. I'd never had breadfruit before. I'd heard about it, never really saw it in a store to buy it. Yeah, I'd never had it before either. I, I'd read about it. I knew what it was. It's kind of like a starchy fruit, uh, much like a plantain, mm-hmm. where you can actually use it as a, as a starch. And it, it a tasted like a plantain, but not a sweet. Right. So that was kind of cool. And then the sliders were actually flying fish sliders. Which, I know you can pretty much eat anything in the sea that's not poisonous, but I didn't realize you could actually eat flying fish. And it was really, really good. It was delicious. It didn't have a, a strong fishy taste. It was a lot like white fish. It was, but very, it had a little bit more flavor. Yeah, it, it was um very thin, so it, it had a lot like a nice crispness to it from uh, being breaded and fried. Mm-hmm. And they had it on a little slider with like this like sweet coleslaw, and it was just really good. This wasn't really like a restaurant or anything. It was just like a Barbados food is wonderful booth. Yeah, just kind of trying to uh, I guess advertise Barbados cuisine, uh, but the. The bun that it was on, it was like a savory or not sweetened uh, cream puff. Yeah. It was like puff pastry. Yeah, but it of. wasn't, it was weird. It was a weird texture, but it was, per, it was like crispy and tasty. It was perfect for the slider. Mm-hmm. It was just one of the more unique things I'd seen in a while. I'm getting kind of jaded to foreign food because we've tried so many different things. Right. So this was exciting because I got to cross another like 
uh, animal off my list of things I ate. So I've eaten <laughs> flying fish now. Yay. Well, do we want to go through all the different foods yeah. first? Yeah, let's, let's okay. do foods and then we'll go back, circle back and do alcohol. So we also stopped by the Copacabana booth. We didn't actually eat anything there. They, they had some drinks. Uh, this kind of fits in food though, because it's a restaurant that we've eaten at before. And we stopped and talked to the lady there and she, uh, was happy that we'd been to the restaurant before. And, and Copacabana is a Brazilian steakhouse. It's mm-hmm. the kind of place where you go. It's a meat buffet that comes to you. They have, um, usually nicely dressed gentlemen who run around with skewers of grilled meat and they shave off pieces for you to try. And you have a, th- a piece on your table, a chit that you turn over if you want more, or you turn over if you just want to take a breather mm-hmm. and not have them come running by your table and give you more meat. Yeah. It is flipping delicious. About, Eight years ago, we went to Copacabana after we got married. We ran away to Niagara Falls, and we eloped. And then we went there for our little wedding dinner for two. And it was wonderful. Like, perfect. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect way to, like, close out, you know, finally getting legally married. Yes. So we were excited to see they had a booth at the show. The girls were really nice, and the cocktails were great. We'll talk about the cocktails when we do booze, though. Yeah. So we'll circle back with that. D&D meets were also there. These guys are so good. Now, if you've listened to a lot of our episodes, uh, you know that we used to live in Aurelia. And we saw D&D meets at the Aurelia Mall pretty often. And we would stop there and get pepperettes and... Uh, All kinds of smoked and preserved meats. Mm-hmm. Like salamis, that kind of thing. Yeah. And jerky. Yeah. They had really good jerky. Oh, oh, yeah. So we hadn't seen them in forever. They had a kiosk set up at the mall in Aurelia and they disappeared one day. And we thought, oh, it's like the Brigadoon meat shop. It was there and then gone. Didn't mm-hmm. really exist. Didn't see anything about them for like seven years. Mm-hmm. Went to the food show and they had a booth there. And we squeed and ran over. Yes. And talked to the lady. We're like little preserved meat fans. Yes. And um, if we told her, hey, this is where we used to live. We used to see the booth all the time at the mall. She's like, oh, yeah, Tony. We're like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty cool that, you know, she remembered the guy who ran it and everything. Or she, I mean, it was, she's like, oh, yeah, that it wasn't crazy. That was us. And we didn't, wasn't like a Brigadoon meat shop. Mm. But the uh, jerky. And it's still around. It didn't yeah. just. It didn't go under. It just wasn't open there anymore, but they were had other locations. So they had um, all kinds of meat samples you could try. We just, because we've had so much of theirs before, we didn't feel right getting a bunch of things to try. So we just had a piece of pepperette, which was, as always, awesome. Yeah, just for old time's sake. <laughs> yeah, we picked up a few things to make us less slightly homesick for Aurelia, even though we lived there for a year. Mm. Uh, following that, the savory cheesecake from the Ivory Bar and Kitchen. Or sorry, Ivy Bar and Kitchen, like the plant, not the tusk. Yes. Sheila had turned around to go get a drink, and <laughs> I turned around and saw food that looked delicious. So I stumbled over. By this point in the food show, we'd already had a couple drinks, so judgment was impaired. And I saw they had a sign for a savory cheesecake topped with caramelized onion. I love cheesecake. How can I go? How can this go wrong? Mm-hmm. Ended up getting this like chunk of cheesecake. It was like a decent chunk, like what three inches by four inches. It was almost? big. It was big enough that we split it, and we were both like, "Oh, that was a very substantial snack." Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't thick, but it was almost like a what was a cheesecake, but it reminded me a lot of having certain types of frittatas. Yeah. This and they put um some kind of like greens on top, almost like sorrel, but I don't think it was sorrel. But it was something similar. It was something that was herbaceous and. Uh... Had kind of like a woodsy taste to it. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was good. Well, th- this place is now on one of our lists the next time we're in the area where they are. I think they're in Brampton. I want to check them out because this was just perfect. Mm-hmm. It was heavy on the tongue, though. It's not the kind of thing you have um, if it's going to be really hot out, even though it's nice and cool. Because it does leave you feeling really full even after a few bites. It's you know, very typical, rich. Yeah, typical yeah. Te- cheesecake. But I was very impressed with them. The staff was really nice. Ta- uh, chatted with the girl while she was planning it up and stuff. So really liked the uh, Ivy restaurant. 
bar and grill. I hope I didn't just butcher that. That was the Ivy Bar and Kitchen. Ivy Bar and Kitchen. Well, yeah. I really liked what they had to offer, and I'm looking forward to checking them out later on. Yeah, absolutely. It was really good. So not food, but food-related is the McLean's Outdoor booth, which also is known as the place where Sheila gets cheese boards. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if you listened to last year's episode, you know that I got a great big magnificent barrel-end cheese board for our anniversary. This thing is so big, <laughs> it should hang off the side of a Viking ship as a shield. Mm-hmm. This it's- is Sheila's shield cheese board. It, but it looks cool. It's the end of a wine barrel. It has a story behind it. It's just awesome. We use it a lot. A lot more than I thought we were going to. Yeah. It gets pulled out at least once a month for some reason or another. So we swung by and they had small versions of the cheese board that are kind of football shaped instead of being perfectly round. Right. And they're just big enough that you can put enough cheese to, for two people to split it. It's probably about like six inches by four inches or so. I'd say it's more like a foot by about four or five inches it's it's okay. it's, it's decently bigger. sized yeah from tip to tip it's decent but this place does some really creative recycling of old barrels which i'm sure makes some brewers right now cry on the inside when they hear that because they want these old barrels to probably do special one-off batches of beer but these and ones may not be like they may not be suitable for use it, yeah they're probably leaking or not maybe, recoverable maybe they're missing staves yeah um the parts of the barrel that you put together to make it a barrel uh each individual plank is called a stave but they shake those apart and they do like candle holders and all kinds and, of different things. Yeah, they do like neat little bot, uh, bottle racks for wine and the cheese boards, obviously, and some other neat little like, like doodads, chalkboard stuff. Yeah. So it's really cool. I, I'm really struck by the product. We've had our cheese board from her, the giant one, for over a year. It's gotten some hard use. It's still in amazing shape. I mean, we, you have to do very little to take care of it. Just oil it once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I really recommend you check them out. Um, they have a website. We'll put it up uh, in the links after the episode. Sure. So you can maybe go see what they have to offer, especially if you're in Canada. I have no idea what the shipping would be like out of country, but if you're in Canada or you see they're going to a local show or something and you want a unique gift, maybe you know somebody getting married or you have that gourmet in your life that's never happy with anything you give them (laughs) because you can't pick the right foods for them, stop giving them food, go get them a nice cheese board. They'll be thrilled. Mm. Uh, Next up is the Mountain Oak Cheeses. They had the little uh, sampling tray of goudas that were all goudas, but they were processed differently, and they were all amazing. It was a gouda time. It was a very gouda time. (laughs) It started out with a truffle gouda. Yeah, I think it was like a white truffle, because there didn't see any little black flecks in it. No, I saw some black flecks in it. Oh, I think it was black, yeah. So we had the the truffle gouda. There was also a... Smoked. A smoked gouda. There was a nettle gouda. Which was really good. Yeah, the nettle gouda was surprising. It was a lot stronger than I thought it was going to be with the taste, too. Mm-hmm. Like the herb taste to it. There was a mystery gouda between the nettle gouda and the last gouda, and I don't remember what it was, but it was delicious, too. It was good, too. It Was was it more dried? A little bit. It was more like a Parmesan. Yeah. It was still really good. And then the last one was the one that had just won an award. It had won a gold award somewhere, um, and it was aged, so it almost behaved like a cheddar, because it was kind of crumbly. But that was also excellent. And when you start out with these like five cheeses and you start with an, a cheese that has truffles in it, you think, wow, this is the rest of this is going to be anticlimactic. But it wasn't. No, no. The last one, the one that won the award was just perfect. Mm-hmm. I could have eaten, I don't know, a whole chunk of it. and I would have felt shameful later, but it would have really been worth it. The nettle one was really good, too. Yeah. I know that stinging nettles is something that you kind of have to find. You can't really buy it. You have to know where it grows. And some people have it growing on their property, and you can do, like, soups and all kinds of other things with them. But it's something you don't normally see outside of, I guess, home cooking. Or if you're into historical reenactment, 
or if you're into uh, Native American cuisine, you'd see it there. But it hasn't really gone mainstream, I suppose you could say. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Maybe it's some like little tiny um, local eateries that do some like local food movements. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it out in anything like uh, commercially available, really. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if you can grow it commercially. I'm sure that you there's a way to do it. But usually you have to have the right kind of landscape. Uh, like it's a... I don't even know what they look like. What is a stinging nettle? It's like a little... Uh, it's a plant that grows about, I think, three to four feet high, and they have leaves on them. And the stinging nettle part comes from... Uh, if you break the leaves and they haven't been cooked, they have uh, like a compound that gives you a bit of a rash. Oh, okay. It's not like poison ivy rash. It's a burning rash. Oh, okay. It's more uh, like an acidic thing, but maybe not acidic. Yeah, yeah but okay. if you cook Caustic. them... If it's it's caustic. So, but if you cook it, those compounds are volatile and they go away. Okay. So that's why it's usually used for soups. Uh, I think you can use it if it's really young for the greens mm-hmm. uh, for salads. But it's also used. See, in I've heard stews of nettle salad like before. Yeah, I've heard of it in salads. So that one, if you're going to do that, you'd pick it really early in the spring when it first comes out. But then later on, you can pick it, and it's got loads and loads of vitamin C in it. Okay. So it's a really good. F- food for, that you can get if you're have, if you're having a forage. Yeah. And that means we just had like uh scurvy cheese then. Yes. That's awesome. Scurvy Anti-scurvy cheese. Anti-scurvy cheese. I don't think they could market with that, but that would be great. I actually They wonder... can have a pirate to market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is pirate cheese keeps you from getting scurvy. No, cuz I'm still stuck on the nettles. You could brew with that thing, couldn't you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's well there's nettle tea, mm-hmm. I know. Uh and I'm sure that there's some sort of recipe out there. I'd have to do some digging that they've used nettles in the brewing process because there's a lot of herbaceous brews that have kind of fallen by the wayside that uh, you don't see very often. Again, unless you're a historical reenactor and you do um, basically pre-revolutionary war stuff. See, that's what I'm thinking of. Remember the fellow from Black Creek Pioneer Village that mm-hmm. did the um, the historic beer for the reenactors that were staying for the weekend. Yeah, the spruce beer. And he did a spruce beer, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the spruce beer, I'm like, a nettle beer actually probably wouldn't be bad, because the taste of that, the cheese with the nettles in it was really good. Mm-hmm. So nettle beer would, I would like it. So I'm sure it'd be good. Home brewers out there that we know of, or crazy local craft brewers, if you're looking for a wacky idea for a one-off beer for a festival, we would love to try a nettle beer if you could pull it off. Yeah, and I'm don't quote me on this, but I think there's a bunch of stinging nettles that grow up by Harmony Creek Conservation Area. So it's kind of like broken woodland. It needs shade, and it's usually in woody areas. It's kind of growing by trees in the same places where you'd find ferns. Uh, but again, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Don't hike all the way up there and say, there wasn't even any there, Sheila. Thanks a lot. This is your scavenger hunt. If you listen to our podcast, go off and find... One, go snipe hunting and find some stinging nettles for us. No, Mm -hmm. no. Okay, so let's continue. I'm so sorry I got sidetracked by that. No, that's okay. Interesting ideas, right? So the last thing that we can talk about for food until we talk about where we went afterwards, uh, which I don't know if you want to talk about at the end. Yeah, we figured we'd do it all in one show. Okay. So the last thing for food that I want to talk about uh, is the pie guys. They were back. Again, great little meat pies. Very, very good. And they'd actually done like little pie, um, like festival pies. Like tart-sized. Yeah, they were tart-sized or about the size, I guess, of uh, an American half dollar. Uh, a little bit a little bigger, bit bigger than bigger. a half dollar, dollar yeah. Um, anybody who's seen a butter tart, it was about butter tart-sized. Yeah. yeah. And they were great. They had steak, chicken. Uh, they they had also a veggie had one, too. A veggie one. And they had a bunch of different... Um, 
they're Hindi that own it, so they had some different curry and vindaloo flavors mm-hmm. too, which I'm sure are amazing. We just didn't get a chance to have that. It, we were, we're saving stomach capacity for some of the other things to enjoy that day, unfortunately, but we love those guys. Mm-hmm. I wish they had like a pie guy outpost east of Toronto. Yeah. They're up in Brampton, and we had them last time. I was really glad to see them again this time. We forgot Their pies our, are really good. We should have brought a cooler, so we could have brought some home. Yeah. It was lack of refrigeration that prevented us from bringing home a bunch of pie guy stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that covers it for the food. This might be a good point to uh, talk about the size of the show this year. This isn't a bad thing, but we both noticed that the Niagara Wanted Food Show this year was smaller than last year. Yeah, it, it was even smaller than it was last year. And last year, there were more wineries, and there were more um, tastings going on. There was more tastings going on, and there was more liquor. So there was a couple of scotches, and I think there was there, there was, was a couple of vodkas, couple of vodkas too, and a gin. I think last year too. Mm-hmm. But this year they were like a absent. vodka. Yeah, it was just the it vodka, was, and that was it. Yeah, just the tag vodka I was the only so. were the only hard liquor oh, things that we saw there. I saw Stolichnya too. They had a, a booth doing cocktails as well. Mm. I just. I was a little surprised at, at the size, and I was shocked as few wineries showed up as they did, considering it's Niagara region. I don't well, it's know. It's the Niagara Food and Wine, wine show. Expo. Yeah. They got totally, they might as well have said the Niagara Beer and Food yeah. Expo, because that was would be more reflective of what we saw. Which wasn't a hardship to us. Oh no, we had to drink a bunch of amazing craft brew <sighs> beer from breweries that we love. But it was also the lack of the shows in the or not the shows, but the tastings in the afternoon that I found a little annoying. Yeah. At the show they usually have several stages set up where you can uh you can pay a certain number of tickets and you can sit down for a mini tutored tasting. It usually runs maybe an hour and they'll have a selection of wines or beers for you to try and they lead you through them. And they mm-hmm. usually have a theme. In the past we've gone to ones for I think it was Chile, which is Chilean yeah, wine. Chilean wines. wine. Niagara uh, College last year did an amazing one where they talked about their brewing program at Niagara College, and they had some of the beers that the students did. That was fantastic. That was, yeah, the guy who did it was... He's one of the professors. He's one of the professors, so obviously he's very knowledgeable, but he had a good stage presence as well. Mm -hmm. You get to learn a lot about the beers and the process of making it, which if you hadn't been exposed to that before, it was really worth it. And the beers were delicious. Mm -hmm. Nothing started at any of the tasting stages until 4 p.m. Like, people that came early are already gone. Or gone in another or, way. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way they can sit through a tasting. We like to show up early because we like to beat some of the crowds and not be there when it's, you know, asses to elbows. Mm-hmm. We got there at noon when they opened, and there was no way we were going to have the staying power to hang out for four hours until the tasting stage is actually opened. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed at that. Me too. Me too. And I hope that's not reflective of the way it's going. I hope that next year yeah. they have more wineries and they have more tasting uh, Tudor tastings on the different stages. Yes. I, I mean, I like the Toronto one, but it's a lot busier. It's a dip, different atmosphere, and I want to keep going to this one. Mm-hmm. If this one gets smaller than this, it probably won't be worth it anymore. But as of right now, it's still a great weekend destination to go to. Mm-hmm. So that was our intermission to just talk about the um, the atmosphere of the show in general. Like last year, they even had a bunch of food trucks there. Yeah. And this year, they weren't there. Yeah, not unless they were going to be there on the Sunday, because we went on Sunday last year. But I can't see them no. showing up for the day that kind of is at the end. Yeah, that's very abnormal for the last day to be the big day. Usually, I thought with Saturday it would be even bigger than what we saw last year on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I was just kind of surprised at that. So on to the the, the high point of the show for us. Yes. The delicious, <laughs> delicious alcohol. So we're both big beer fans. We actually didn't taste... We, we love wine, too. We didn't taste any wine, though, this time. I had time. two. Oh, sorry. I had um, a wine from Niagara College. 
that was wonderful. It was, I think, one of their Rieslings. And then I got another wine from the winery that was partnered with the Chinese booth. Mm. Um, it was oh, yeah, one of their Rieslings. Like Rootsdreimer? Yeah. And it, it was good. It was just standard Riesling, nothing that I'm going to talk about in depth. But the, those were the only two wines I was really motivated to have. The Cranberry uh, winery was there, which I've had a bunch of their stuff before, so I wasn't really interested in trying any other Cranberry wines. Mm-hmm. But they always have really nice Cranberry wines. Yeah. Which is not a normal wine. It's a little harder to find usually. Yeah. So on to the beer. Okay, so starting off with, we've got uh, Bose All Natural Brewing Company, and they had all of their usual suspects there with the Lug Tread and uh, the Tom Green Milk Stout, and they also had the, what was it, the Burnt? Um, Burnt Rock Vanilla Porter is what I had, and you had the Dark Helmet. Yes. Um, I drank way more of the, uh, the Burnt Rock Thing you did. You only had mm-hmm. a sip of it. But the, the Burnt Rock, I'm really a sucker for a vanilla porter. Mm-hmm. You can, someday someone's going to like fool me and do some kind of crazy hopped vanilla porter and I'm going to die on the inside because I won't be able to risk, resist drinking it. <laughs> I'm going to have to drink it, but it's going to just it's be It's going to murder you a little bit on the it's, inside? It's going to kill me with all the hops someday. I'm sure that's going to happen. But this was a, a perfect um, example of a really good vanilla porter. Mm-hmm. It had that nice vanilla aftertaste when you drank it. It was heavy, but not too heavy. Uh, I could drink this hot or not hot, like heated up. But I mean, if it's hot out or cold out, I could yeah. drink it at any time. It was really good. I have not seen it in the LCBO yet. So I hope it comes out soon, If it, unless I'm just missing it somewhere. It, I think it was fairly new. I tried the Dark Helmet, which was very... Uh, it's heavy. Very heavy. Oh. Very heavy on the tongue. Uh, it did have like a burnt aftertaste. It had a lot of notes of coffee and a, almost like espresso in it. I liked the the one that you had a little bit better because it had that nice vanilla aftertaste to it. It wasn't as aggressive. It was a little bit more drinkable, I think. Yeah. But it would that was still great. I mean, it, I, it was still a fantastic beer. We've yeah. never had a bad beer from Bose. That sounds like a slogan. Never had a bad beer from Bose. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, they they're a really nice uh, craft brewery. They did a tap takeover a while ago, Buster Rhinos, and mm-hmm. we loved the crap out of that. Also, for new listeners who aren't from Canada, when I say not available in the LCBO, that's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. That is our version of a liquor store in Ontario and where we can go usually to get craft beers. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to get them there than the beer store. Uh, Let's see. We also have the Brick Brewing Company, also known as Waterloo. Uh, They had their normal stuff out. They didn't have anything on tap, which I was kind of surprised. I don't know if the people that they had watching the booth weren't really mechanically inclined enough to operate the... The kegs? I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just early in the season, too. Could be. Because the beer festival season really hasn't kicked off yet. That's true. So I was kind of disappointed that there wasn't anything on draft, but they did have a large selection of their cans. So I think I had the IPA, and it was it was decent. I had the Rattler, didn't I? Yeah, I think you had the Grapefruit Rattler? Yes. You, yeah. Yes, I had the Grapefruit Rattler. Which is always good. Is it's, that's a nice patio drinking beer. I might have to go and check on Tapped and put a revision up to what I had, because I don't think it was a grapefruit. I thought it was one of the other Rattlers they brought with them this time. Okay, they had a new one that was a lemonade Rattler. Was that what you had? I think that's what I had, yes. Okay, because yes. you had the grapefruit Rattler before. Yes, I had, I had a different one. It was still delicious. This is where the fuzziness of the um, the food show always kicks in. Yeah. Though Untapped helped this year. Yeah. Uh, it's a social networking app that you can download for your phone, and you can track all the beers that you've drank. And you can rate them, you can add comments for yourself, uh, you can 
It's like uh, Foursquare for beer. Yeah, you can it's track great. everything that you've had. It's nice. And you get little badges, and it's a little embarrassing when you get the little badges, and they start all going up on Facebook, and you look like an alcoholic, and you have to explain to your friends on Facebook, no, really, I'm just at a wine and food show, and I'm just doing a lot of sampling. I'm not chugging down 12-ounce bottles of these beers. No, or having 20-ounce pints of all of them. But it's great to keep stuff straight, and it was great to sit down today and review everything we had and go, oh, yeah, that, oh, that, too, that was awesome, so... I'm a big fan of Untapped. I also like seeing breweries on it too, because mm-hmm. then they're kind of getting a vibe for what's popular and what isn't in their beer. So yeah, they can neat. they can get like instant feedback mm-hmm. about how people like this. And I know that some people are never going to like anything, or some people aren't going to like particular styles. But at least it gives you a little bit of food for thought. Exactly. Uh, the next one I have down is the Delirium Brewery. So Delirium Tremens voted one of the best beers in the world. I don't necessarily know if it's the best beer in the world, but it's bloody delicious. And I'll drink it whenever I get a chance. And it has a cute logo. That helps sway your opinion. Little pink elephant. Uh, And it was actually uh, banned from the LCBO for a while. And you can actually buy it at the beer store now. And the reason why wasn't because of alcohol content. It wasn't because of any strange ingredients. It was simply because of the name. Because the name was viewed by the government as to be insensitive to those who are suffering from alcoholism. Yes. So it made light of their plight. <laughs> Indeed. But it's available now. Um, I like it. Not as much as you. Mm-hmm. I don't know about best beer in the world, but I can see why it's highly, highly rated. It's so, very, very drinkable. Stuff. If you like Belgian beers, definitely check that out. Uh, the next one on my hit parade is the Double Trouble Brewing Company. Oh, we these have guys a lot are to cool. say about these guys. Yeah. We actually stopped and talked to them for a while. So You, you hit their, their beer last summer, like hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. I think every time I turned around, I was bringing back a... Um, uh, hops and Robbers for you. Yeah, Hops and Robbers is really, really one of my favorites. It's really good. And it's a pale ale? Just a regular pale ale? Yeah, it's an IPA. Okay, yeah. I like it. It's very drinkable. Uh, they also have a Pilsner. I'm not a huge Pilsner fan, but their Pilsner is good as well. And then they had... Fire in the Rye? Ah, Fire in the Rye. I I did Hot and Heavy this winter time because it was a really good winter beer yeah. to have. And that was like a rye PA kind of. Yeah, and that's uh, what we had to, uh, at the show, which was just delicious. I'd also seen on Untapped that they were coming out with this one called Revenge of the Ginger, which I had to definitely check out. It had like a bearded guy on the can. So when I came up, I was like, hey, I'm going to be trying that because I saw it on Untapped. And they were like, oh, cool. Well, this is coming out in the LCBO soon, or it should be there next week. And it was very gingery. Oh, yeah. I like ginger. This is a beer that I think needs food with it. And I'm not sure that I can necessarily drink a six-pack of it. But it's nice. It's got a lot of character to it. It had kick. It had ginger bite to it. Yeah. I mean, it was good. I took a sip of it. Like, everything Sheila had, I had. I tried. Everything I had, she tried. Mm -hmm. And I think I tasted it, and I was like, man, this needs, like, a bacon and pineapple pizza. Yeah, definitely. Totally needs a bacon. It would cut through grease like crazy. Mm -hmm. Anything greasy, you pair that with it, especially if it's a little sweet, like General Tso's, Mm -hmm. would be so good. Well, it grows together, it goes together, right? So I could see sitting down yep. to a big bowl of sweet and spicy, yeah, you know, deep fried chicken covered in general <sighs> soy sauce and mowing down that and eating fried rice and then just having that revenge of the ginger to just cut through the grease, cut through the spice. We're going to have to do that when we can get our hands on it. Mm-hmm. If it's not already at the LCBO, which I thought it was, yeah, we should get some and do, do a Chinese night with it because that would be good. Absolutely. I think it would be great. And then we got a sneak preview of uh, one of their new ones coming out, the pear one. Yeah, they're they're coming out with a Perry, which is a cider made out of pears, and it's called Grow a Pear. 
And it's got a kind of suggestively looking pair of pears that look like a pair of something else on the can. Uh, we just kind of saw the prototype for the packaging, and it's being submitted to be approved by the LCBO. So it should be there by this fall. Yeah. And we got a chance to talk to them about their brewery, because I didn't really know much about it. I just know that I really liked it. But I guess a lot of the ABVs, um, so the alcohol percentages, and a bunch of the IBUs, so the International Bittering Units for Measuring the Hops, are the measurements for the people that brew it. Like, the one guy's 6'1", and the other guy's 5'9", five, 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 seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. So there's a story behind everything involving the beer, or the pictures on the cans. So if you ever you see these guys at a festival, go talk to them and learn what the story is. I don't mm. want to, like, you know, you don't do want a spoiler. spoiler. I don't want to have a spoiler on it, but it's really cool. Uh, they're really personable guys, very friendly to talk to. They said they're doing, like, 40-some beer shows mm-hmm. this summer already. Yeah. So they're both And the one solid. guy, I, I thought he looked really familiar, and I didn't know why. And it's because he's on the vanilla porter. Oh, yeah, the, the French vanilla... press vanilla porter can yes, that the I French kept buying press. you. I, and they did a French pre- press vanilla porter. Remember about 10 minutes ago I just said I can't turn down a vanilla porter? I couldn't turn this one down, and it was also amazing. And I drank the crap out of that this winter. Mm-hmm. That was one of your go-tos for me. If you couldn't find um, a Mill Street vanilla porter, or you'd bring both back. Here, I brought you one of each. Yeah, uh, it so just, I don't have to choose. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But yeah, um, Double Trouble. Becoming bigger fans, I think, of, of some of the stuff they put out. And mm-hmm. really excited to see what's coming out soon. And just excited for the craft brewing scene, period. Yeah, so there's a lot cool. of nice things happening. So the next one I've got is the first one that we actually hit up is the Flying Monkeys Craft Brewery. Because we're their fangirls. We're big fangirls <laughs> of them. When we lived in Aurelia, we went to go visit them in Barrie at their brewery. Which is like the cutest brewery ever, just saying. Yeah. So I had a Sonic Elegance, which, fairly hoppy beer, not crazy stunt hoppy. It's definitely mm-hmm. not as hoppy not as, Smash Bomb. as Smash Bomb or Netherworld either. Yeah. I, it's it's hoppy, but it's still very drinkable. And you had... I had the Mango Tango. Yes. Which was kind of like a Rattler. It was like a beer-fruit mix. They do another one. It's a Tangerine Dream? No. no it's not Tangerine. It's like... Orange something. They, yeah, they do like an or another orange one, which is an orange juice. It's like beer orange mix. mungo, I think it's called. Oh, uh, the mung mungus amunga. No, I can't remember the name it's of it. We had it. We had it last year at the yeah. beer festival in, in Oshawa. But it, it, those are really good. I saw the mango tango and got all excited because I like a nice, good fruity beer thing. I'm yeah. kind of girly like that. And it's it like was a beer just mimosa. Yeah, this was one of my favorite ones. This this show, it was just delicious. I could have drank a whole pitcher of that. Yeah. And then fallen over. But it would have been <laughs> worth it. I mean, Flying Monkeys never fails to um, bring something interesting whenever you see them. They've always got something wacky. Last year they brought to the show, it was like a gingerbread beer. Yeah, that was really good. And that was ridiculously good, too. So I love seeing their their weird stuff they do. Uh, so the next one is the Iron Spike uh, Brewing Company. And we both had the Iron Spike Blonde. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Uh, it's classic blonde. It was solid. Has yeah, it's solid. It has more flavor than drinking like a Pilsner or something mass produced. I mean, it's it's they're a solid brewer. We've had a lot of their stuff at Buster's. It was Iron Spike and I think Black Coal Stout and Railway City were all at the same table. So we must talk about Railway City. I had the Witty Traveler. That's what you that. had. You had the Witty Traveler. I grabbed the Blonde, the okay. Iron Spike Blonde by Railway City. That's that makes what sense. we did. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you love the Woody Traveler. I mean, it's, it's it's great. It's a nice. It's a very very solid, delicious beer. Can you just like what type of beer is it again? Because I know it's something that always leads me astray, and I think it's something else. It's a wit beer. Okay. So it's a it's a wheat. Yeah. 
Yeah. Every time I see it, I think it's going to be something painful and You think it's going to be hoppy, yeah. but it's not. It's, yeah. a, it's an easy to smooth operator, as Veronica would say. Yeah, well, I miss out on it all the time because I think it's going to be... Yeah, so. yeah. it's very, very um, pale in color when you see it in a glass. Which is why I think it throws me, because I'm used to like a wit being... Being uh, slightly cloudy. more cloudy yeah. and uh, more golden in color. Yeah. Whereas this is a pale straw color. Yeah. And usually most wit beers are a golden color. Like if you look at uh, a classic example would be Blue Moon or like Rickard's White. Mm-hmm. Those are wit beers yeah. or white or beers. Or Ho Garden. Or Ho Garden, yeah. Which is technically a wit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, oh, Cronenberg 1664 Blanc. Yeah are all examples of what this is. So Witty Traveler is one of Which part throws of that me, because it's supposed to be my jam, because if it's not a vanilla porter, it, if it's a wheat beer, I'm all over it. Yeah. And I always miss out on those, because I or that one, because I always think it's something else. So. Mm-hmm. Shame I on understand. me. Well, and it's got the fun packaging, too, because it's got this dapper gentleman with a top hat on. And sometimes the ones with the fancier packaging have a lot of hops in them. I know you can't always generalize, but... You see something kind of funky, and usually there's a lot of hops into it. But. I'm going to start testing that theory. We're going to have, like, the Funko meter and compare that to the IBUs on the actual beer and yeah. see where it falls. There's disco balls, just run. <laughs> uh, next is the Ironwood Cider. We had that. It was oh, really, really good. So good. I thought it was actually a brewery, and so I asked for the Trey Robles, and I thought it was a beer, and I started drinking it, and I realized it was a cider, but it was very good. I liked it. And I had their cherry. And it was spelled like XX cherry or something like that. X cherry. Amazing. It was a cider uh, cherry mix. And it was so good. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds it was more like a sour cherry, right? Uh, no, it was it was tangy. It wasn't it was too sour. Sweet cherry, but it had yeah. tang? Yeah, it reminded me a lot of drinking um, a, a, the cherry lambic. Right. Even though there was no beer involved, it threw me. I'm like, this almost tastes like a creek. Yes. But it wasn't. So, like, oh, just good. Lindemans. That's what it was. Yeah. Lindemans Creek, it almost tasted like that. But it's a more local alternative to drinking something like that. And this is another one I think is not out yet in the LCBO. But they're working on it. But they're working on it. I think this is another one they said uh, this fall, hopefully. Yeah. Which means I will drink a pile of it this fall. <laughs> yeah. So if you see it, check it out. There's a couple of different things that you can pick from them, and they're both good. And they have a great logo, too. It's like a great big battle axe. Yeah. So can't miss it. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, we stopped at the Niagara College Teaching Winery and Brewery, and we both had the... It wasn't on Untapped, but it was their fifth anniversary uh, ale, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've already had the first draft, which I think is what I put it in on Untapped. Because yeah, at that point, I was just like, I can't even find it, and I just put it in. It was the first draft, but fifth anniversary edition. So good right. stuff made by the students. Can't go wrong with that. I just love that they're they're teaching people how to brew so we can have a next generation of brewers that don't have to learn it the hard way mm-hmm. or stumble around or get discouraged. Exactly. Um, so we've also got the, actually this was nearby them, was the Nickelbrook Brewery. I grabbed from them the Le Paisan Saison, which is a uh, sessionable season ale, which I'm becoming a big fan of the farmhouse ales too. That's my jam. If it's, if it's not uh, a wheat beer, or yeah, or a, or a porter, something that's dark. Then I'm becoming more into like the farmhouse ales. But I actually passed on Nickelbrook too this time. I didn't get anything. Hmm. I think I was already. I think you were off somewhere else grabbing something. <laughs> yeah, I was off somewhere else grabbing something, or I needed a break because it was uh yeah. Yeah. So the last one that I want to talk about is Old Tomorrow. 
is last on our list. And I walked over and started chatting with the gentleman there. And we're super excited. They've only been in business for six months, but they have an amazing beer. It's called a Canadian Pale Ale. Yeah, it, I saw their booth. They were right next to Ironwood. Mm-hmm. So I looked, I saw, I saw Pale Ale. My eyes completely glossed over. We were standing over by the entertainment stage, and you went over to get a drink, and I just hung back. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she came back with this. She's like, you have to try this. Okay, let me give it. Oh, my God, that's good. Yeah. Get over there. Get yourself a sample. Yeah. And a little background on that. I am not really into hoppy beer. Hops, for people who don't know much about beer, that's what makes beer bitter. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you make cat ass face. Yeah. Obviously, uh, commercial beers like Coors, Bud Light, they don't really have hops in them. No. I think they have hops maybe sitting next to the tank. The beer looks at the hops, the hops look at the beer. That's as close they, as Yeah, they, they don't ever actually interact. Like ships in the night. <laughs> yes. And I, there may be some actual mass-produced beer that has a little bit of hops in it, but they're they're meant to be very um, easy drinking, so they don't have hops involved. Yeah. And You're it, looking at IBUs of, like, 10. Yeah. You know, something that's, like, 10 or 12. You're not going to even taste... Hardly anything in it. And an IBU is an international bitterness unit, and that tells you how bitter the beer is because of the hops. So almost as like a backlash. You know how when kids get angry at their parents, they go off and do the exact opposite? Mm-hmm. So if their parents are like dirty hippies, the kids become Republicans? Yeah. <laughs> well, craft brewing has gone running down this path of going as hoppy as possible. Mm-hmm. That's where you get like the stunt beers where they try to push the IBUs up into the hundreds. Yeah, like Atomic Smash Bomb from like Flying Monkeys. Oh, and... Remember the the one we had from, um, was it Trafalgar, the guys who make mead? Yeah. They had it at a festival, with the beer festival up in uh, Bracebridge from years ago. And the it Muskoka was... The Beer Festival. Yeah. And they had one that was just ridiculously hoppy. It was just meant to exist for the sake of existing. I'm not a big fan of hops. So once we get about past like 50, 60 IBUs, I have no interest in drinking it anymore. Yeah. And that's about where, where I top out for, for casual drinking, I suppose, because... At around 50, 60 IBUs, that's about where Bone Shaker is. And that's about where... Big Wheel's um, 30-ish, isn't it? Yeah. Big Wheel's a little bit easier on the palate. Yeah. I'm a little happier. I'm a little happier being probably closer to 30. Like, Hoptical mm. Illusion by Flying Monkeys was a big deal for me, because this was the first beer that was hopped that I really liked. And it became a gateway for me to actually even want to try some of these these hopped beers. Because I, I used to think I wasn't really into most craft beer because I couldn't get into all of the crazy pale ales they were doing mm-hmm. and the IPAs. I have since learned that it's not just me. There's other people that have hop fatigue as well. And mm-hmm. some craft breweries have caught on to that and they do a lot of different things. But mm-hmm. now that I've backed off trying to force myself to drink them, I have found some that I really like. This, on the other hand, Canadian Pale Ale by Old Tomorrow. Dear God, is it good. The way the fellow described it was, I wanted to create a... Pale ale that would be true to Canada. So something that reflects our heritage, that's strong and courageous, but also polite. <laughs> so it's the way he described it is it's kind of like a cross between an English ale and an India pale ale. To me, I got a lot of the same taste that I get whenever I drink an ESB or extra special bitter or an English bitter English ale. So there's a lot of that kind of character to multi it. Yeah. character to it that's really nice and then it's got a little bit of hops that you know it's there it's not in your face but it's it's refreshing, refreshing. yeah, yeah the absolutely. hops are, are an accent rather than the <laughs> main note for this symphony yeah it, everything about this beer was just refreshing and because 
I'm not into hops, I liked it even more. I'm like, this is a pale ale I can drink. Mm -hmm. I could drink all day on the deck in the heat of the summer and still enjoy it. Yeah. So, and the we've seen the can in the LCBO. It's got a uh, a black and white silhouette uh, of Johnny McDonald, our first prime minister. And to be honest, is it that packaging? Or, was mm -hmm. it red and white or black and white? It's black and white, I think, with red. Okay. With a red banner where the name is. Yeah. But it, it he is in a. It's not really a silhouette. It's more like a the art style where you can see the shadows. Yeah. It's like a relief, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, to be honest, seeing it, I was like, mm, dead white guy. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. <laughs> I should probably check it out, but it didn't make the pass whenever I ran through and grabbed a bunch of cans. I was like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll try that next time. But the packaging, I don't know, I was like, eh, I don't know. What, what, what am I going to get with that? I just figured it was going to be another... See, it's super hoppy. Yeah, but the packaging beer. wasn't flat. The packaging wasn't flashy. That's your problem. You see, you were yeah. you weren't using your your Funko meter scale apparently. Alleged <laughs> prom <laughs> Apparently, I was not using my Funko meter skill. So I kind of passed it over because of the packaging. I almost think that it should be called like a Canadian special bitter instead of being yeah. called a Canadian pale, pale ale. ale because that seems to be to be more of what it tastes like, but it's really, really great, and I really look forward to buying a bunch more and enjoying that this patio season. And because it's robust enough, you can drink it anytime. So into the fall, mm -hmm. you want something a little bit heartier, you could definitely drink some of this. So I, I just like the direction it's going in. Yeah. Like being balanced with hops instead of in your face or no hops at all with it. I mean, it was it was good. Mm -hmm. So excited to see them. Um, hoping they do well. Get to see them out at some more things. He has. They have a second beer coming out soon. Yes. And I completely blanked on the details. I know he showed the, us the can. He told us what it is. And it was something I was really excited for. Because it was something down right like up my alley. And I know the packaging was blue and white. But I can't remember what the He told what us what it was. was. And I think I squeed and I actually clapped. So I'm just going to have to keep my eyes open for the LCBO. I'm so sorry. Maybe oh, it's tomorrow. a wheat beer? That's something that you'd be excited about? It would be about? a wheat beer or some kind of porter probably. Maybe it was a porter actually. I don't remember. Either way, I think it was a wheat beer. Yeah, there's, oh. they're coming out with more. So right now they, they're they kind of like... This is their flagship. Yeah, this is their flagship beer. Uh, so this is what they've got now, but there's supposed to be more coming out, which I'd love to be able to see them join us at one of the Durham beer festivals or do yeah. a tap takeover at Buster's. I'd love to see them this so. summer to get some exposure or get a keg on at Buster's. Now this is the last brewery, right, that we were going to talk about? Yeah. So I just want to add to, there was a nice common theme, besides the theme this year being for the show that it was almost all beer all the time. Every single person we talked to from the breweries was just stellar in terms of their customer service skills. Yes. They were friendly. They were happy to see you. They were knowledgeable about their products. I mean, some of them were the actual brewers. Some of them were just other staff. Mm -hmm. But every single person that we interacted with from these craft breweries really impressed me. Mm -hmm. So anybody from the breweries that's listening to this and maybe you sent your people to go, kudos to them because they did a really good job. Mm -hmm. Like, the high points were... um. Double, Double Trouble, trouble. Uh, the fellow for Old Tomorrow, who was just a pleasure to talk to. And then the lady at the... Um, we didn't talk about Lake of Bays. Lake of Bays. We t totally forgot Lake of Bays. The lady at the Lake of Bays booth was just so nice. I have the L here. or I have the program here. And under L, there's just Lucky Roll. There's no Lake of Bays. And how we, we have forget, because to... those are like some of our favorite beers yeah, this year. Yeah, we have to talk about that. So. Yeah. Okay, so we're not done talking about breweries. One more brewery that was there, Lake of Bays. We've We've been to the brewery. It's up in Cottage Country. We've had a bunch of their beers before. We usually like what they have out. Mm -hmm. Like this year, they've had a um, maple Belgian ale. It's really, really good. It's got like a smoky back flavor to it. 
Is that, is it the Maple Belgian? Is it a Belgian ale? It's a Belgian ale. Oh, I, I don't know. I just see the bottle and I drink a lot of it because yeah. it's really good. We see the bottle, we go and buy it. It's got a tree with a tap bucket hanging on it and we go, ah, and grab it. Yeah. In fact, they said, have you had this? I said, oh, I've had way more of that than I'd like yeah. to admit, to be honest. If you're wondering where it's all going in Oshawa, it's us that's buying it. Yeah. So they had um, a couple that we've seen in the LCBO and we didn't actually try them up until yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like a hockey player series. Yeah. So... The one that we both loved, 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 which is our star of the show, is the uh, number seven, the Terrible Ted Red. And it's a sessionable red ale. I'm a sucker for red ales anyway, but this was just really, really great. It had a nice balance to it. It was easy drinking. Oh, it just was so perfect. good. Just perfect. It hit some kind of weird flavor note. I wish I had taken notes to be able to describe it better. Or I should just picked up a bottle for today for us to share while we did this. Mm-hmm. Because it was... There was something about it that, it, like, red ales to me, because I drank so many of them in my early 20s, they almost are um, um, to the point where they're they're offensive and how mellow they are anymore to me. They're, because they're so mellow, they're unremarkable to you, yeah. so they fly under your radar. Exactly. They're just drinking, like, oh, another red ale. Like, I drank a pile of Killian's back mm-hmm. in the day to the point where now it doesn't have a sharp taste to it to me anymore. Yeah. Drank a pile of uh, Rickard's Red mm-hmm. when I met you. And this had something that reminded me of what it was like to have red ales back when I first started drinking beer. Mm-hmm. I, it was like a, a a memory refresher, I guess, or a palate like a uh, time machine. Yeah. Well, instead of being a Irish ale, like an Irish red ale, it tastes to me more like a farmhouse red ale. Yeah. Which is a slightly different yeah flavor profile. But I, I could drink gallons of this. Yeah. It was great. It was just great because there was something in it that reminded me of why I started enjoying Red Ales to begin with. Mm, so. It kind of it was a Ratatouille experience. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was just awesome. You went and got a glass of it. I tasted yours, and I went back a little bit later and got one, too, because it was that good. And rarely did we repeat any beers on Saturday between the two of us. Usually we try to divide and conquer so we can try right. as much as possible that we haven't had before. Uh, the other one that I really liked was the Sealy's Ale. It was a oaked IPA. Yeah. And it wasn't really heavy on the hops. It was assertive, but not too aggressive. But I I really, really like beers that have been aged in oak barrels to pick up that oaky flavor, like Innocent Gun. Mm-hmm. If you've ever tried that, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think that's it for the breweries. Yeah, that's it for the breweries. So far, Sorry for the hit parade of here's all the beers we drank, but we wanted to give you guys an in-depth idea of how many breweries were there, what we had, the crazy variety that's out there now from the, the craft beer scene in the Ontario area. So Wine and Food Show in Niagara for us is now like a, a little mini vacation. Mm-hmm. We go down, we grab a hotel, we go to the show one day, grab some dinner afterwards, and just relax. It's also an excuse to be tourists. Mm-hmm. We love being tourists. We love cheesy touristy things. And we do talk about cheesy touristy things on the podcast. We don't just do food and booze. So before the cheesy touristy things, we uh, ended up blundering over to just off of Clifton Hill. It was actually mm-hmm. on Ferry, I think. Yeah. And uh, we found a taco stand. Well, not a stand, a taco bar. It's called Taco and Tequila. And it's at... Um, was that 5355 Ferry Street? Yes. And this is just your, your classic, like, Mexican bar kind of tourist yeah. thing. It's like a Tex-Mex place. There's, like, a painting of a donkey on the side of it. Yeah. That I took a picture of one time we were there. They have a couple of uh, bar stools set up off to the side that have saddles on them instead of stools. Mm-hmm. And one of their big things they put up is they have, they're home to, like, some ridiculously the large margarita. margarita. Yeah, 45-ounce margarita. It's so, just served in this ginormous... It looks like one of the martini glasses that you're supposed to put pebbles and maybe a few twigs in or you, to make a, a centerpiece. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's marketing to um, college students and soccer moms out on a night for the on the town. Yeah. I mean, it's really it has its demographic. It had great Mexican music playing the whole time, and we wandered in to get some tacos. We never did get tacos. No, I ended up getting the enchiladas because I'm a sucker for enchiladas. <laughs> and what'd you think? Oh, they were great. I really liked them. They I asked for the salsa verde, mm-hmm. and that's what I ended up getting. So it had this green sauce, and it was really, really good. It was just the right amount of spice, and the I like that it was served with black beans on the side, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you appreciated because you yeah. don't like refried beans. But... Yeah, it was like a refried black bean instead of being refried pinto beans which mm-hmm. was really cool and i thought it was interesting too because usually when you get an enchilada you get something that's a little bit bigger mm-hmm. and you get maybe one or two of them and these were three smaller ones so they were just a little bit bigger than your average size of a, a taquito yeah but i found in my version that i had of it and the taste that you gave me that it was a better ratio of like a shell of shell to filling. to filling it was really good it just meshed together really nice it had a good texture because yeah. of it and when i was eating it i was thinking these are like soft squishy taquitos covered in sauce yeah and it's a good thing i enjoyed it and then i had the, the flautas which mm-hmm. was the fried version of the enchiladas so mine weren't a lot like taquitos it was a corn wrapper with a really nice savory uh chicken filling there was mm-hmm. cheese on it and i had i think the verde sauce as well on mine mm-hmm. and it just was delicious the perfect uh, way to cap off a day of nibbling at the food show and just overwhelming overwhelming my palate with all of these other foods to kind of cleanse it with some like nice, comfortable Mexican food. I was thrilled. Yeah. The Spanish rice on the side was really good. Yeah, it was really good. And it, I have to say it again. The, uh, the black bean refried beans was really good. I actually mm-hmm. ate some of the beans and I never eat beans. Yeah. At one of these places. We actually had buzz beer. We had buzz beer. Yes. The one with the, I guess, uh, it's from cool brewing. I think cool brewery. Yeah. It's a Toronto area brewery. And they're the ones, they have, it's a little tiny mini keg out at the um, LCBO. They do two major beers. There's Buzz, and the other one's like Cool, I think. Or, yeah, it's Cool Lager. Yeah, Cool Lager. And it comes in like a three liter mini keg. Yeah, it's keg. like a little mini keg that yeah. you can put a tap on. And... It looks like a mini keg that just didn't get enough like food when it was young, and it didn't get to grow up big and it strong. Stunted. It's so cute, though. Or it's a bonsai mini keg. It's a bonsai mini Whichever keg. one you'd like to prefer. We did get um, some salsa and chips for an appetizer. In most Mexican places you go to, they give them to you, like, for free, and it's crappy salsa and okay chips. This one, you <laughs> paid, like, five bucks. You got a big tray of chips. You got some regular salsa, and then they put some fresh pico de gallo on mm-hmm. the tray, too. That kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting some fresh, like, pico. And it was their, good. Their fresh pico was great. Their chips were, like, nice and crispy and fresh. And uh, dessert. Dessert, we got the... The churros. Churros. Yeah. And it was cute, too. It came out, I'm not big on presentation, but it came out with four churros on a plate, like in a box arrangement. In the mm-hmm. middle, they had a three dollops of whipped cream and then a bunch of... Squiggles of chocolate syrup? Yes. They were delicious. It was enough to share. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to eat the whole thing by myself. Okay, no. I totally could have eaten the whole thing by myself because I love churros. But... But it's I should nice not. Yes, it's nice to Sharing share. Sharing is caring. So overall, um, tacos and tequila, great tourist place to stop. The prices were good. Mm-hmm. Our meals were about $15 each, Yeah, which for Niagara Falls isn't bad. Niagara Falls, you run to either it's really, really cheap or it's like break your pocketbook expensive. Yeah. the We're charging you because we're there's gouging. food here. <laughs> yeah. You need to eat and we have food, so we're going to charge you more. So that was nice to see that it didn't break the um, the pocketbook when it came to having a nice meal out. The staff was really, really friendly. Mm-hmm. Location was great too because it's right off the main tourist area. So you can actually stop there either on your way back to your hotel or on your way out to a night on the town. Mm-hmm. 
I think we can give it two fat chick thumbs up. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Awesome. Tacos and tequila, two thumbs up. Awesome. And the last quick thing I want to toss out for touristy stuff is you're in Niagara Falls. You have all these like crazy wax museums and places to go. We've already done um, Louis Tussauds House of Wax. A long time ago, we did Ripley's. We did the Guinness Book of World Records one. The Falls Museum. The Falls with Museum. With all the different barrels. Yeah, we've done all those already. And uh, we walked up to Clifton. We're in the corner of Clifton Hill and I'm going to say Ferry. And we ended up turning left and we found the um, the Rock Museum, Rock Wax Museum. Yeah. And it was a classic wax museum. Like, you know, you're walking around looking at these figures of people who are supposed to look like the, the real people, and you get little placards to read stuff about them, and they're dressed up like them. And it was 10 bucks, and it was like the perfect touristy, cheesy thing to do after having a bunch of beer and tacos. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And in typical wax museum fashion, some of them look dead on, and the other ones look nothing like... Yeah. Or they look like they've been through some terrible accident. Like, what happened to <laughs> Keith Richards? And, I mean, Keith Richards already looks pretty rough to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, as a wax figure, it gets kind of worse. But some of them did look dead on. The other ones were like, mm, they were trying. Yeah. Well, wax museums, I get, they, they harken back to an era when photography was even rare. And, mm-hmm. obviously, no internet. And if you wanted to see some of these figures or see a representation of some of these, these major figures in whatever world history or current culture, pop culture, be it pop culture from the 1800s or late like 1900s, this was a great way to see it. So I could see where it was a draw. Now mm. it's more of like a kitschy throwback thing you do because it's fun and yeah. it's goofy and you do it very tongue in cheek. It's it's like perfect camp now. Yeah. It's the pink lawn flamingos. It is. Yeah. But it, it didn't <laughs> start <museums>. out. <laughs> It didn't start out as camp. It started out no. as a very serious, serious attraction. Thing. And they would have like the House of Horrors area, the Chamber of Horrors, where you would go see like images of what murderers looked like, who otherwise you might never see unless you happen to catch that newspaper article that had a sketch of them while they mm. were doing a trial or something. So I, from a historical standpoint, I have a lot of respect for the, the wax museum tradition. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad when we see one that's closed down. Yeah. Like we saw the criminals one that was closed down. We walked by, it was gone. I thought, oh, it's another piece of Niagara tourist history that's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Louis Tussauds is still going great. We should probably go back sometime because I'm sure they've changed the exhibits. Yeah. But it was nice to see the little like off the beaten path one that you had to go to the register at the gift shop to get them to let you in to pay. Yeah. But we had the run of the place. Nobody was like upper butts or anything. Mm. And then you had to exit through gift shop. Had to exit through the gift shop. So <laughs> that was a really cool experience. If you're looking for a really cheesy touristy thing to do, don't take kids because they'll be bored. But if you're like a, a hipster 20-something in Niagara a music Falls fan. or a music fan, it's just fun. Go check it out. Mm. Anything else you want to add from the, the comeback episode and the wine and food extravaganza? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground. Alrighty. This is Tracy. And this is Sheila. And we're Zvi Fat Chicks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this Vi Fat Chicks podcast. Please add us as a friend on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. You can email your comments, questions, or suggestions to ZviFatChicks at gmail.com. That's Z-W-E-I-F-A-T-C-H-I-C-K-S at gmail.com. Our theme music is Hot Swing by Kevin MacLeod. Our podcasts, like Mr. MacLeod's music, are protected under a Creative Commons attribute copyright. You can make copies of our shows and share them with friends. Please make sure that credit is given. Thanks for listening and have a great day.